You are listening to the Converge Media Network, uplifting our voices. Loyalty's my favorite characteristic of God, but finding it in it is hard. It's like trying to find God. You're the only one in your camp with cheese. You pay for everything they eat. Man, that insecurity is deep. Now I ain't said no names. These are just theories if you hear me, baby. It's home. You must admit it's kind of eerie, baby. Like them chemtrails in the sky. Grand rising, everyone. Welcome to the day with Trey. I'm your host, Trey Holiday. We have a wonderful Wednesday for y'all. You can see a little bit right there. Black Star Power. We could put that back up in the building today. I'm so excited for my guests and for you guys to hear more about their stories. We got Mark Handsome in the building. He is here, a Vamp Live recording artist live in the studio with me today. I'm so excited to dive into his journey, what got him started, and how he's continuing his musical journey now at Vamp Live. So you you guys, it's going to be great to talk to him later on in the show. I am so excited because Janae Bridges is going to be joining us, y'all. Janae is a Grammy award-winning recording artist and mezzo-soprano. She has done so much live music. She has done recording. She has done the gambit. And she's from right here in Lakewood, Washington. So I'm so excited that I'll get to talk to her about her journey and what it means for her to be starring in Seattle Opera's Samson and Delilah. Y'all, only two days to pick up the tickets for this amazing show, but I'm so grateful that she will also be joining us today. So when I tell you, it is, if it was a Monday, it would be a musical Monday, but it is a musical Wednesday, musical, wonderful Wednesday today with these two amazing artists in the building. So of course, I gotta, you know, get right to it when after this, because I have also some amazing recaps that we just did on Monday celebrating Dr. King. And of course, for us in King County, the only King County in the nation, it means the world for us to be able to come together on this day. And so we have some great recaps that we'll be sharing with y'all. But of course, it's the top of the show, everyone. So it is a perfect time for you to tag and share the stream. Go ahead, tag and share the stream with folks you feel could benefit from a daily dose of dopeness right here on The Day with Trey. If you can't watch us, you can always listen to us anywhere you find your favorite podcast. You can find me on Google, Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, whatever is your favorite platform, you name it. Um, now I'm going to start throwing in Apple Music because like that, I, I'm saying iTunes, but now they're saying Apple Music. So I'm, I'm going to just switch it up, make sure y'all know what I'm talking about. But we're on over, what, 200 plus platforms. If you, you know, you love it, a platform, I'm sure you can find us on there. Uh, so just search Converge Media in the Day with Trey. Y'all will find me there. Shout out to everybody who is tagging and sharing the stream and who is sharing the podcast. We appreciate y'all so much, especially uh, when we know we're bringing world-class artists and world-class guests right here to the show. It's important that we really uplift and amplify all the great work that they're doing. And y'all help to do that by sharing the stream. Well, I want to talk a bit about Martin Luther King Day because on Monday it was jam-packed at Garfield and it was so great to see so many people out there marching for what Dr. King stood for, what his legacy is all about. I'm so glad that Converge Media was on the scene. Check out this video that we put together for y'all. Somewhere I read of the freedom of assembly. Somewhere I read 
of the freedom of speech, somewhere I read, of the freedom of press, somewhere I read, that the greatness of America is the right to protest far right. I just want to do God's will. And he's allowed me to go up this mountain. And I've looked over. And I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you. But I want you to know the night. We as a people will get to the promised land. Absolutely, Dr. King, we are continuing in that very mission here in Seattle and beyond. It's so beautiful to know that, you know, we are celebrating your legacy, Dr. King, as one of the longest ran celebrations in the nation that is happening right here in Seattle, Washington, because we stay committed, not just because we are King County uh, and not just because we also have a Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard in our area, but because we understand the importance of the work and we cannot take our foot off the gas. We still have yet to recognize equity in so many different measures. Take a look at how we were able to be on the scene with some amazing photography. Shout out to our whole team who was there. You guys can see that people care so much about this that it was young and old out there at the march. It was beautiful because there were so many people who they say this is the time where they come together and they bring their grandbabies, they bring their sisters and brothers, they bring their people out to this event because they know that it's important for us to do this as families. And it's one of the opportunities that we have to do what? See ourselves as a part of the solution. Y'all knew I was going there. Of course, that's the message I was bringing last week on Friday was for y'all to be engaged, be involved. There were so many different MLK celebrations happening, and it was great to see that thousands of people showed up, not just for the workshops at Garfield, but also the rally and, of course, the march. And then we ended at Jimi Hendrix Park. Right here, you guys can see, we had some amazing speakers on that stage. We had folks bringing phenomenal messaging to keep this legacy alive and well. And it was also an opportunity for a lot of people and community to get engaged with the great work that's happening on the ground. Oftentimes, you have to be literally a part of these organizations to know exactly what's going on. But I love the opportunities that are presented throughout our community of people being able to pull events like this together and shine a light on all of the amazing work that's happening so you can get engaged, so you can be involved. That's the importance of all of this. And we understand Dr. King stood for so many any of us. Now it's our time. It's our part. It's our time to do our part in that same standing up for what is right. Um, and it's on us, y'all. We all have the ability to do that. So I want y'all to, again, be continue to be inspired. Don't wait for MLK Day, you know, next year for you to do something. Figure out how you can get engaged with amazing organizations and institutions that are doing the work in your community. Be a part 
part of your community, not just living there, but also helping to make it a thriving place for all to be there. And, you know, one of the things I'm really excited for is that Washington State always has the opportunity to lead. I say it all the time. We are the only city in the nation called Seattle. And because of that, Seattle in particular has an opportunity to lead. Washington State can really take a, a note from how the uh, Seattle MLK Organizing Coalition has continued to press for Dr. King's message. So find the way to be engaged, y'all. That was just a little bit of inspiration for y'all on MLK Day, but it's something that you guys can organize and do all throughout the year. So let's not wait until next year to be engaged in our community. Well, after this short break, I'm really excited. I get to sit down in the studio, in the Black Media Matters studios with Mark Handsome. He's going to be telling me all about his musical journey, his beginnings, and where he is now as a vamp life recording artist. Stay tuned right after this short break, y'all. You're watching The David Trey. Pacific Northwest Ballet unveils Giselle, ballet's classic tale of romance, betrayal, and immortal love. The New York Times calls it a triumph comparable to an epic film. This stunning production is touched by magic. Order tickets now at pnb.org. Prosperity in Black America. What will this require? Is Black business prospering? Are we reaching women and minority-owned businesses? How do we achieve earning parity for wealth for our families? Do our children really have access to education? Will our families have choices for our children? Prison pipelines, mass incarceration, tearing our families apart, a healthcare system not accessible to the masses, the disproportionate termination of black women from corporate America. When will we actually begin to address what's really at play? How do Black people gain more power to help make these changes? This requires a lot of political will and courage. I'm that provocateur of change. I am Cindy Bright. Welcome to Heartbeat. What's up, everybody? It's your girl, Trey Holiday. We're bringing back Black love when we met. That's right. We need something to warm all of our hearts and to elevate love once again in our communities. We want y'all to go to whereweconverge.com forward slash Black love so y'all can nominate your favorite couple for the next rendition of this show with me as the host. Let me sit down and have them on my couch and share how their love can inspire us all. Make sure y'all go and get your nominations in today and be on the lookout for Black Love when we met coming at you on Converge Media very soon. Welcome back, everybody, to The Day with Trey. I'm your host, Trey Holiday. Joining me right now in the Black Media Matters studios is Mark Handsome. What's up, Mark? What's popping? Hey, you know, I, I'm excited because, you know, you're the first vamp life recording artist I've, I've been able to sit down with. And I really want to talk to you about your beginnings. I, I, I've talked to many artists and there's always something so unique and special about what got you into music. Tell us a bit about that for you. Um. Well, first of all, I didn't start off with with dreams of being an entertainer like most people. You know, everybody's stories. I pick up the mic at five years old. You know what I'm saying? That wasn't my story. Um, 
I initially was a person who was um moving through corporate America with a different um passion. My my passion was for uh the youth, troubled youth or whatever. And um, you know, I excelled in that, went to school and did the things that I needed to do to be productive in that in that business. However, being um a South Central native and we go through the things with the police and attacking young black males and things like that. I got put in positions where um, things happened that affected my uh, my record. And at the time for me, with that affecting my record and messing with my money that I had um, put myself in position to be able to obtain, to obtain, you know, not making um grocery store money or, or things like that, but actually making something that was making a difference for myself and my family. Um, it ruined that. So the blessing of us having black entertainment is, is finding out that black entertainment will pay you to match the value of who you are. So with, with things being stripped from me in corporate America, I fell back to think like, where could I get the pay rate on who I am, um, what matches my hustle, what matches my drive. And that's what led me to entertainment. Mm. Yeah. You heard. Mm -hmm. Well, it's one of those things where it always is going to take a huge amount of dedication and motivation. And right. we've heard that from famous artists, particularly in the music business, because, you know, nowadays that attention span of the fans is not as long as it used to be so you always have to be putting out new music and really right. be dedicated to the craft how do you utilize uh your motivation to stay dedicated to your craft as you create new music um well first of all you got to believe in yourself you know what i mean so i wake up every day feeling great about myself great about what i'm doing um you know and being intuitive with me you know, when you love yourself and you love what you do, that come out in your music. And and, and if you feel it, everybody else going to feel it because people because people know when it's not real. You know what I'm saying? So right. the, t the determination in your own hustle is what continues to have you have the motivation to keep going. So I'm I'm inspired, period. Then I came from a, um, a home where I had a mother that told me I could be great at whatever I wanted to. And I believe that. You know what I'm saying? So I wake up feeling like I could do whatever I want to do anyways, because I just feel like it's it's there for the for the reach. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So I'm inspired, period, on on whatever journey that I put myself to. I'm going to be inspired regardless because I feel like I can obtain it. Yeah. You know well, you talked about being from South Central and it's interesting because we know like background means a lot in terms of like the lyrics you write, uh, the the way that you the genre you get into. I mean, the inspiration behind a lot of your music. Tell us a bit about that, how your upbringing is maybe influenced uh, you as an artist, how it influenced you and then how uh, it shows up in your music, in your craft. Well, I kind of took a different route from the environment. And being a product of the environment, you know, as we know, we know South Central L.A. Has, has a lot of street politics. You know what I'm saying? And if you made it past 21, you did great, you know. But um, what I what I took from the situation was to show um, the people in my environment that we could elevate out of that. So what I did with my music was always talked about where I was headed, where I was going, what's possible what I'm doing is showing them that I'm doing stuff outside of where they say we can't do it. You heard? So 
most of my projects, I made sure that it wasn't in the community, but where we thought we couldn't go. Mm. So I did my videos in Beverly Hills, did my videos in Calabasas. I went everywhere to show everybody that we ain't, we ain't got to just do this. So my music is always to show them um, an example of elevating. You know what I'm saying? Wow. Yeah. Well, that's a really great perspective. And uh, it sounds like a, a niche, too, because, you know, I mean, people talk about the glitz and glam of, you know, mu the music business. And we know it's a grind, you know. And so at the end of the day, it's great that you had that idea to be like, look, I'm going to do something that's going to help folks really see not only can you come from South Central LA and be in these spaces and be comfortable here, but that you can actually like take it to another level. So that's important. Right. Cause you're going, I mean, I'm, I'm going to always be true to where I came from. I, I know everybody that was in the surrounding areas, you know, um, J-Rock was up the street from me. Glass Malone was up the street from me. Problem was up the street from me. You know what I mean? So yeah. we all know where we come from and that's going to always be something that stayed true to the heart. But what are you trying to do? You know what I mean? If, especially if you um coming up and you might have a child or a two or three or whatever the situation is, you want to be an example. So so my goal was always to be an example, period. You know what I mean? Like I was a dreamer. So I wanted to show people that it was okay to dream if you're going to fulfill it, though. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I'm one of them that if I say it, I'm, I'm going to do it. You know what I mean? Or I'm going to beat myself up till it happens. Or I'm going to figure it out or I'm going to call somebody who's going to lead me to the water. But at the end of the day, the result is like it happened. You know what I'm saying? So that was what my my vision was. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it was a little harder, though, because when you come up in that area where everybody wants you to stick to the script, you know what I mean? Because you judged in my area, you judged off of how rooted you are into what our situation is. So when you kind of step out the situation, some people like, man, is he keeping it real? Is he, you know what I mean? So it even take a lot of um, integrity to just stick to what you believe in, because sometimes the people might not move with it because you ain't staying um, down mentally where they at. So you got to be encouraged enough yourself to feel like I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna do my own wave. I'm still true to this, but I'm gonna do my own wave, and y'all gonna have to catch up later. But it's gonna happen. Yeah. You heard so. That was a challenge for me, you know? Yeah, I, I can imagine so, because as you step out um, out of kind of maybe the status quo way of doing something, it takes time for people to adjust to where you're going with it, right? So, you know, I love hearing you say that. But the thing about it is when they finally adjust to it, you ain't never sold out. That's right. So when they really adjust to it, you won the people off of truly being who you are. And, and and if you being who you are, that's you can do that the best. You ain't never got to, I, I, I can't act like Tupac for, for this amount. I, if I stay like Mark Handsome, then I'm going to be natural. So I'm never going to lose that wave because I'm really just going in the booth being me. My stories is me. You know what I'm saying? I ain't fronting. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, that's important. And, and especially when you think about uh, people who really know you, right? Before, uh, you know, you you got became a recording artist, it's like, you know, 
you got family, you got people who know you who are going to be like, yo, like don't switch it up on us. Right. And I think that that's really important too to bring folks along with you. How does your family resonate with, you know, you moving through the music business and growing your brand and, and growing your fandom? Uh, tell us a bit about that, how your family is really responding uh, to you as an artist. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, the Bible say adversity start in the home, meaning the family. And, you know, a lot of family um, show excitement and, and a lot don't, you know what I mean? And again, you know, you got to stay encouraged. You know, they say a person that's a stranger will come love you more and support you more. And, and that's what we have to learn as entrepreneurs, you know, um, artists, hosts, actors or whatever, because a lot of people sit and envy it happening for you and not them. But those same people could uh, ride the wave with you yeah. because the more successful you become, it gives you the opportunity to bless other people. And, and naturally, that's the type of cat I am anyways. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I got 50 percent who, who show the love, but then I got 50 percent that don't. And um, that used to bother me for a while until, you know, I had to understand what it is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I think uh, it's always an adjustment. Um, I, I've experienced that myself. You're so right to call it out with what I do. I think anything that's public facing like that, you you know, some of that scrutiny comes along with it. Right. It's like, oh, well, you could have said this or you need to talk about this. You know, I, I've heard that, too. And, you know, you're so right about as long as you're true to you. That is the beacon, you know, right? That's the beacon that I move through all the time. And I say it often in community that we have to be authentically ourselves. Right. Because you're right. We can't be nobody else. And ultimately, right. if I want anybody that's watching me right out there right now to really know who I am, I got to stay true to me always. And it's all also going to be a foundation for how I build real relationships with, with folks. When they do see me outside of this environment, you know, right, it's got to be the the same level. So I, I totally respect that. And I agree 100%. Uh, when you think about the, the grind, right, you know, tell us a bit about that. How did you really start like making music and get to a place where, you know, now you are on the vamp life, you know, in the vamp life family. Just tell us a bit about that transition. Um, once my first record, the, the first record that took off for me, and I was able to feel that love, hear those uh, radio spins, be in the car and hear the record come on, hear the people in the town um, playing it, you know, and I'm and I'm moving and I'm touring. I think it was like once the first record hit, hit, hit for me, that was like, oh, oh, I like this feeling. You know what I'm saying? I can't I can't stop, you know, and actually seeing how um, it turned into multiple relationships, multiple people you meet. Um, you know, other extensions to you to be able to move into other things and, and walks of life. You know, them experiences alone as an entrepreneur is very motivating um, to experience versus walking into a building every day and you see the same 20, 20 people in your staff. You know, it was the drive for that. It was a drive on going to the high school tours and, and seeing the joy the kids had to see you show up. You know what I mean? And things like that. So once you, 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 for me, it was like once I felt that start of success, it was like, yo. 
You know, it's kind of like, do you watch Rick Ross? Because Rick Ross do a lot of motivational things. Right. And he was talking about when he got um, that mansion and how he didn't spend his first check from Jay-Z because he was thinking about if it didn't happen, having to turn that house back in. He was like, whoa. So, so my thing was like, dang, I felt this right now. It didn't pop like this. How can I show them that I can't keep it up? Yeah. I, cu I couldn't do that. You know what I'm saying? I couldn't do that and let the people see me fail, but I couldn't let myself go through that. So that motivation was there. Like, I, I can't I can't let it happen. You know what I'm saying? The thought of that is like, oh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Absolutely. And, and so clearly you had a whole wave of, you know, motivation and dedication to make it happen. And at what point did Vamp Life like connect with you and say, yo, like we see what you're doing. How, how did that work for you? So, you know, when I created the Mark Hansen brand, it was um right when the pandemic happened, mm -hmm. right? When radio wasn't caring what was going on with an artist or nothing like that. All of us was like COVID, COVID, COVID. Like, you know, nobody knew what that was. And here I was, I created a brand. I did the, uh, that real love record with, with Amada La Negra. And I, I pushed that the first year of, of the pandemic being at its height. I put that record out and, and, and traveled on the planes while people wasn't trying to do it. So I made it pop during the time where everybody was sitting down. And um, I was like, let me let me get it going. So once I did that record and it, and it did some numbers, um, I had a new record that I was working on and I wanted to get Jim on it. And um, um, I had a relationship with Jim some years back that um, I had, but we hadn't talked in about a good eight years or something like that. Mm -hmm. So um, I reached out to my homegirl, Raquel Harper from TMZ. And I'm like, you got a line on Jimmy? She like, yeah. So um, she reached out to Jimmy and coincidentally, he was landing in Cali the next day. Mm. So he was like, word, pull, pull up on me. So I pulled up on him and... Um, played the record for him. He was like, let's do it. So we got it popping. And um, I pushed the record by myself for about five months. And um, some things happened with it to where he was like, let's get the video done, bro. So once he said that, I flew out to New York. They put the camera crew around me. They situated it so the visual could be dope. They wanted me to come and have a real... Um, New York experience. So not just have a New York artist on it, but they wanted me to have the real experience in New York. So I went there, they laid it out for me, we made it pop. And as I was leaving leaving there, the vamp life situation was offered to me. Wow. You know what I'm saying? See, this right here is a real, I love being able to tell the background story because mm -hmm. oftentimes people have a misnomer about what it takes to make it um, in any industry, but particularly when you're doing something that involves, you know, any form of celebrityism at all, right? It's like you were like, look, I had to pull my connections, make some calls to get connected with Jim Jones, to have him on the record, to then even have the opportunity for them to be like, yo, come work with us at Vamp Life. Like that right there is 
a real testament to you believing in yourself and putting yourself forward. Now, I know people can check out your music at a, in a lot of different ways, but uh, Mark, this is just, we could probably talk all day. This has just really been a pleasure to hear the background story because for me, it's always about how do we elevate your story so that others can be inspired by it. I got to give you a second though to look right there. Uh, let folks know, because I know you got music out. Music is hot. Let them know right there how they can connect with Mark Handsome and your brand and all the music you're going to be having coming out. It's simple. You can connect with me on all platforms. Like she said earlier, whatever is your choice of platform to go to, I'm on every platform under Mark Handsome. Just like that. Mark, thank you so much for joining me today and sharing your story. And thank you for being dedicated so we can all get to hear your dope music. I was already, I was listening to it on the way in. I'm becoming a fan, Mark. You got me for sure. Thank you so much for being with me today. All right. Much love. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh my goodness, you guys. I know we're going over, but of course I am so excited. Janae Bridges is in the building. We're going to be talking to her about her amazing journey into music. And I'm telling you, I am a fan. So I'm excited to be joining uh, with her, sitting with her right here in the Black Media Matter studios right after this short break. You don't want to miss this, y'all. Stay tuned. You're watching The David Trey. Prosperity in Black America. What will this require? Is Black business prospering? Are we reaching women and minority-owned businesses? How do we achieve earning parity for wealth for our families? Do our children really have access to education? Will our families have choices for our children? Prison pipelines, mass incarceration, tearing our families apart. A healthcare system not accessible to the masses. The disproportionate termination of black women from corporate America. When will we actually begin to address what's really at play? How do black people gain more power to help make these changes? This requires a lot of political will and courage. I'm that provocateur of change. I am Cindy Bright. Welcome to Heartbeat. Welcome back, everybody, to the day with Trey. Lots of activity going on. And it's a lot of excitement right here in the Black Media Matter studios because Janae Bridges is in the building. Hi, Janae. <laughs> Hello, Trey. How are you? I'm so happy to be here in the building. You know, let me, <laughs> let me just tell you this. Like, so many folks in community are like, oh my gosh, I've not even been to Seattle Opera, but I'm going because Janae is coming home. Janae is making her debut at Seattle Opera. <laughs> this is so exciting. I want to start at the beginning because, you know, interviewing opera singers, everybody has a unique way that they got into it. And you clearly knew you had a voice, but just tell us a bit about that journey for you musically from the beginning. Sure. So I'm from Lakewood, Washington, Lakewood representing. And... I started singing in the church choir about age five or something like that. So voice has always been in my world. Um, my father is actually in the, the male choir, the Sons of Thunder at LMA, Allen AME Church. And so I grew up in the church singing in the choir. And I also grew up playing the piano um, from about age three. So music has always been in my life, but I didn't actually grow up listening to opera. Um, it's not often that you find a black household that does. Um, not that there aren't any, but we just didn't in mine. And so um, fast forward, I studied um, piano. I sang in the middle school choir. I joined the choir in high school. And then my teacher said, you have a natural gift. 
um, maybe you want to start studying privately. And so I said, well, I'm super busy, but okay. So I added that to my, you know, extracurricular activities and I just fell in love with it. I fell in love and um, quickly, I'll just say that I played basketball too. So I had a conflict where my basketball coach said, you can play the game, you know, you can be on the team and do the choir thing as long as you, you know, make all of your practices. So I said, okay. So I had, there was one very traumatic and dramatic moment where I had a basketball game and a choir rehearsal at the same day. So my coach said, fine, as long as you get here in time to warm up. So I finished the rehearsal. My mom drove me up about two hours north for the game. It was a very important game. I got there and he sat me on the bench. And I said, um, excuse me, I need to warm up. What's going on? And the game started. One quarter went by, two quarters went by. And um, he refused to play me because he called himself teaching me a lesson in that I wasn't uh, there for my team. And so that was actually the last, um, the last day of my competitive sports career. And then I just completely shifted like all of my focus and I really concentrated on singing. And I auditioned for conservatories all across the country. I ended up going to Manhattan School of Music in New York, a uh, little old girl from Tacoma, Lakewood, Washington, and the rest is kind of history. Oh my goodness. Mm -hmm. You know, I I'm going to tell you, there is something so specific about being a high schooler and having all of these different competing things. Mm -hmm. I, I too experienced levels of that. And so mm -hmm. I really appreciate you sharing that story and taking us on that journey. But when you think about, uh, you know, all of the different ways. So once you do a conservatory, once mm -hmm. you start getting involved, tell us a bit about the next steps it took for you to actually yeah. first get on that stage, right. uh, because opera is world renowned mm -hmm. and you are world renowned. I mean, mm -hmm. Grammy award winning, congratulations. You have <laughs> put the you. work in, but we also know that that's a real journey too, in and of itself. Just tell us a bit about that. Cause the beginnings, you know, kind of lead you to where you are today. Absolutely. Right? Well, like you said earlier, everybody's path and journey is different, but my path, I went to conservatory, um, for four years, four, uh, excuse me, seven years, four years for my undergraduate. And then I went to Philadelphia, the Curtis Institute of music for three years to get my graduate, uh, degree masters of music. Um, and then after that, I then after that, I did uh, three years at the Lyric Opera of Chicago at a young artist program, which is basically an internship, a paid internship where I get to shadow the stars and sing smaller roles on the big stage and really be in collaboration with the professional world. So I like to say that I studied for about 10 years. It's, it's really intense, concentrated focused study on the voice and performance. Um, and in that, when I was in Chicago, we sang, we, we auditioned, we sang for different opera houses, different companies, managers. And so I will never forget the day when they said Columbia Artist Management is coming to hear you. And I, I kind of made up in my mind before that I was going to be with Columbia <laughs> because so many of the greats that I admired, Kathleen Battle, um, Jesse Norman, so many of them were with Columbia artists. And I said, I want to follow in their footsteps. And so I walked into that audition and I just nailed it. And wow. my manager signed me on the spot. Um, and then I started getting jobs in smaller opera houses. Um, so 
singing bigger roles in smaller houses and smaller roles in bigger houses, mm -hmm. just to kind of get used to this feeling. Um, and also I was doing a lot of international competitions, which for opera singers, I mean, it's such a long journey. The voice develops until you're 50 and 60 years old. So it's, yeah. it's a constant evolvement and journey. Your voice is always changing and the practice never stops. Um, so the competitions that I did really put me on the map as well. I didn't always win them, but, um, you know, it was, it was just such a great way to say, Hey, I'm here. Um, and a lot of companies have hired me or they, they remembered me and they hired me later. And it really just kind of, um, put me on the scene. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, everyone's journey is different, but mine has been slowly, um, kind of ascending and of course the pandemic put a halt to everything yeah. but I'm grateful because um, I still had my voice you know mm -hmm. and so I was still working on my voice and and now I, I sing all over the world um, and it's kind of surreal that I'm back home in Seattle making my debut in this role of Delilah. Yeah. And it's yeah. such a, a well-known story, right? Yes. So I think so many people are excited because one of the things I, I was talking to Josh about, Josh knows, is, you know, classic stories that we know. Then mm -hmm. we're able to follow them more closely. There's, you know, I have just really uh, become a fan of opera mm -hmm. in the last year. Awesome. Um, and it's really uh, a true um, example of some of the output uh, yes. or, you know, the, the end result of my relationship with mm. Seattle Opera, you know, just being exposed to it first off, I think is so important, particularly in black communities, Absolutely. because as you said, there's not a lot of exposure to it. Um, and it started for me with the opera blue, right. Mm. Which is about black story. It's yes. about black family. And it was great for me to kind of start there mm -hmm. and then to go to some of the classics mm. so that I could have this foundation of first off the slow nature of storytelling in opera, yes. uh, which I talked to Josh about. This is, yes. it's so real, right? And I know you've experienced this because you could be in a scene trying to explain just something, one thing, and it's like, you know, 30 minutes. We're of, still here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. know, the notes are carrying on. Yes. There's something so special mm -hmm. about storytelling through music and through the way that opera is, mm. is sang. I want, I want to hear your perspective on that because as someone who's done now many operas worldwide, mm -hmm. you probably have a very unique perspective about that kind of slow nature of storytelling in opera. Absolutely. I do. You, you've brought up so many amazing points. Um, so I've sung operas from 30 minutes to five hours. Yeah. And sometimes like Wagner, uh, Richard Wagner is a composer. His operas tend to be really long, but the music, it, it really carries you through in a way that if you're there and you're present, it kind of doesn't feel long, right. you know? Um, so for me, it, it has taken, a little bit of getting used to with those long operas, but as a performer, when I'm so focused on every note and every phrase and, and in the end, what I'm saying and what I want it to deliver, um, you know, it, it also goes by, but it's, it's kind of like a long race. You really have to pace yourself emotionally and vocally, um, because it, it really is kind of like an athletic game, you know? So it's like, 
I really like to liken it to to how I used to play basketball. You know, it was it you had to pace mm -hmm. um, so that when that fourth quarter comes, you have some more juice to give. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I can totally see that, and mm -hmm. uh, not only that, but I mean the set design, the costumes in opera, oh, yeah. all of this plays such a heavy impact in the storytelling. Uh, as you have gone on this journey, tell us about some of the top moments for you uh, now that you Ooh. have so many amazing <laughs> characters under your belt. Uh, I would love to hear so just maybe some of the top moments. Maybe it's the top costume or the top set mm. tell us uh you know okay. something that you you know really you know sticks out yeah well one that really sticks out um was my metropolitan opera debut in new york where i sang queen nefertiti oh. um in a production called akhenaten by philip glass and this actually pbs played it a few times it is such a spectacle we have jugglers um the costumes are so ornate and I'm playing an African queen. So I got to wear the head crown. And, and I honestly just felt that I wasn't acting in that moment. I was stepping into who I am and who I come from. Um, and so this is a production and a role that just is so close to me. And it goes down in history, really. Um, and of course, at the Metropolitan Opera, one of the greatest houses in the world. It was, and where I studied in New York, it was really, I couldn't have imagined a better way to enter um, that scene there. And then another one was this past summer in Verona, Italy. I sang um, at the Arena di Verona, which is the largest outdoor arena in the world. It seats 22,000, I think. And it's unamplified. So we didn't, you know, as opera singers, we're not amplified. We don't use microphones. So at first I was like, I don't know about this, but the acoustics, it's, it's just made for the voice. Um, so that was a really, really surreal moment, me going to Italy, being the only black person really there that I that I noticed besides my family coming in to see and just stepping onto this stage where so much history has gone down and also so many um, particularly African-American women have also graced the stage and broke so many boundaries with their voice and their instrument and the storytelling. It was really emotional. It was really... You yeah. know, I can imagine. I mean, I've really just had the pleasure of being able to sit with black opera singers in the last year. Wow. And my mind has been blown by not only the talent, but um, the amazing ways that every one of you is utilizing your gift to break barriers as well. And so I want to talk to you a bit about that because as a, a, a young black woman in this world, um, I can imagine that you really are setting a tone uh, mm. now across uh, the world for, you know, black excellence. And I, you know, you, you talked a little bit about some of your influences earlier, but of course there's a legacy of that, right? But oftentimes it is just the one of you that is really there mm -hmm. in any given moment. But uh, tell us a bit about how those influences from some of those who have inspired you allow you to now stand in that same legacy and break the barriers you need now for the next person, the next few folks, right? Mm -hmm. Whoever they may be coming after you. Mm. Wow. Well, like you said, there have been so many um, incredible black, specifically African-American uh, opera singers. I mean, it's a, it's a whole lineage and it's a whole lineage. And um, 
every time I step on stage, I, I honor one of them, at least one of them. And I, I really try to channel Jesse Norman, um, who was a mentor of mine and I sang at her funeral. I, you know, and I've interviewed actually a couple of, of um, older black opera singers. And it's so interesting because they couldn't necessarily speak to, to you how I am today. Um, and so with that knowledge, I take this gift that I have and this moment in time to not only inspire people, uh, you know, with my voice, but to speak on um, injustices and, and, and equity and inclusion um, and just how beautiful we are as a people. And one day, hopefully, this conversation doesn't actually have to happen. Um, but for now, I just feel like I am standing on so many tall shoulders and I literally feel them carrying me through because like you said, as a, an African-American woman in this world, we're faced with, with uh, challenges that no one will really ever understand. Um, so I take that and I don't let it hinder me. You know, I, I let it empower me and... Um, Again, I, I think of my ancestors and what they went through, um, but they kept going, they kept singing, they kept inspiring, and they put their blinders on as much as they could. You know, some days, is, some days are hard, <laughs> but at the end of the day, I have to realize that um, I'm here and I'm not going anywhere, right. you know? And this gift that I have has opened up so many minds and hearts. And I always say, I don't actually walk in the room saying I'm a black woman, and this might be controversial, but I don't walk in the room saying I'm a black woman, I'm here to prove myself. Like they might see a black woman and I know that I'm a black woman and I'm proud, but I feel like if I were to walk in and say, the black woman is here, that kind of, um, perpetuates otherism already, you know? And if anything, yes, you see that I'm a black woman and know that I'm beautiful and powerful, but don't attach any stigmas onto that. Yeah. So when I am faced with any ignorance um, or, you know, just trials, I, I handle it in a way that is, like racism isn't my problem, you know? Like it's the racist issue. And so, I do my job and, you know, if I am faced with something that I have to uh, attend to, then I will um, in an appropriate way. But nine times out of 10, my approach to my life as a black woman is to not apologize right. ever, you know? And I find that that approach for me has um, really helped with my mental health, emotional health, because I don't, I don't take on anybody's problems, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I love that. I think many of us uh, find ways to navigate it in ways yeah, that really feel to. safe for us. And mm -hmm. I hear you saying that, and I appreciate you saying that. Uh, you know, when you think about 
uh, family. I got to ask this because you talked about, you know, family coming out to see you in Italy uh, and your mother. Oh, Miss Pam Bridges. You know my mom? It, of course oh I do. You know, I run critical conversations with yes. Dr. Mims. Um, and so I'm close with Dr. Mims. And your mother is such a beacon of pride uh, <laughs> about everything that you do. So I got to ask, you know, how it feels for your family to be so proud mm. of uh, everything you do. I mean, your mom was like, look, telling all the black folks, <laughs> come to Seattle Opera on the 20th and the 22nd. Yeah. For months, we've been hearing the message. And I was working with Josh. I said, Josh, look, whatever we got to do to get black folks in the building, we got to support <laughs> Janae. So there's this whole effort. Wow, thank of, you. I, I love it. Of people being like, you know what? She's coming home. Seattle Opera debut. We got to show up for her. But your mom has really been leading that charge. And she is, every time that you are doing something, she makes sure that the community is aware of it. I just wow. want to hear how it is for you to know Ooh. that your family is just so supportive of everything you're doing. Mm, I'm trying not to get emotional here, <laughs> but um, I am because my family doesn't have to be supportive. You know, I have colleagues that have jealous parents, jealous siblings, unsupportive. They think the singing thing is not a real career. And I have just never been faced with that. And I'm so grateful to God and my parents and especially my mother because she is literally my number one fan. Um, she she knows things about me that I don't even know. She'll go on Google and say, did you know this? And I'm like, I actually didn't. Thank you for that. She's also like my number one publicist. You know, I have publicists, but she she's just so loving and attentive and has so much pride. And for me, that is the gift. I, you know, my parents have poured so much into each and every one of their children. And for me as, as one of them to, to see their smiles and how proud they are, that that's a gift, you know? And so I'm just so grateful because Seattle Opera, I think, will never have seen an audience like this. <laughs> Mostly because of my mom, yeah. you know? She, she has been working for months on spreading the word um, and she's become such an opera fan, not just be when I'm singing. She is like the number one opera mama. And whenever my friends and colleagues come to sing at Seattle Opera, she is there. And it's just really such a blessing, you know, to have parents that are on this journey with me. Yeah. You know, I, I try to invite them and include them as much as I can. And they travel all around the world. My siblings do too. When they can, they have their own lives, of course. But, um, it's, I'm really blessed. I just, yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, for me as a community member and uh, doing what I do here and having a mother like yours who just everything I'm doing, she's just, oh my God, my baby's here. My baby's here. Right. <laughs> and, uh, you, you, you say to yourself, I'm just so blessed. Right. And I, so I resonate with that message of just like not knowing what it's like to not have the support of your family mm. because they really, uh, I've, I felt that and I feel it with your mom. So I just, and your dad. So I just got to say, you Thank know, kudos you. to them. Yes, Lastly, definitely. I, I got to talk to you about coming home. I mean, this is your Seattle opera debut. This has got to mean something special for you. As we talk about your mom doing her part to fill that audience, tell us a bit about how this uh, performance as the Delilah and Samson and Delilah is now, you know, a, a great contribution to your entire career. And you, you coming home is a big deal for all of us. How's it landing with you? <laughs> yes, it's a huge deal for me. I mean, 
I've sung around the world on various stages and concert halls, but this feels somehow coming home to Seattle Opera, it, not somehow, it, it feels and it is the highlight of my career. You know, I left when I was 18 and people were a bit confused because I didn't really grow up singing classically. So it was just like, hmm, this is this kind of came out of nowhere. So for me, I'm coming home and I'm I'm sharing with the people that poured so much into me and invested in me. I'm sharing with them what I've been up to, you know, for the last almost 20 years. And it's it's a gift. Like it's kind of my gift to that to, to my community and my village saying thank you this is what you did, you know? I mean, obviously I d I've done the work, but I had the platform and the grounding to tackle this crazy career, you know? Like I, I feel so made for this career because of where I come from. Um, so it's really emotional and um, I just feel so grateful to come back and particularly this role, it's very demanding vocally. Um, and uh, char char characterization-wise, too, emotionally. But everybody, like you said, is familiar. Most people are familiar with the story of Samson and Delilah. And so it's a great opera to come home to where people uh, can access it. You know, it's an accessible opera. And the music is just so beautiful. It is so gorgeous. Um, so I just feel like it's, it's the perfect way to come home and say, thank you. Wow. Thank you to my village and my city. <laughs> well, I, you know, I was getting a little bit emotional as you were talking because I just got to tell you, thank you. Oh. Thank you for pushing the boundaries and mm. the barriers, showing us uh, what a young girl from Lakewood can do <laughs> across the world. Uh, it is so inspiring, Janae, what you have done and what mm. you're continue to do. And I, I just I love knowing that you had great mentors around you, great family, a great village great love surrounding you. Um, I too really get to experience that village love, that agape love, yes. right? And uh, so grateful to all the folks who helped me be here. Mm. But to see you come back and for you to take time to spend, this is why we're going way over y'all because I oh, refuse oh, oh. to cut it short. Thank but you. I love that you were able to take time in your busy schedule. I know you're only here for a few days and I just appreciate you stopping by here mm. at the day with Trey to really talk with me. We're two uh, daughters of the community yes. here, really sharing each other's energy. And I'm so appreciative of you. Of course, I got to give you time to look right there. If folks are wanting to follow you <laughs> and all the great things you're doing all over the place, if they want to come to the show, just let them know right there how they connect wow. with you. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here with you. Um, you can follow me on all of the social channels. I'm most active on Instagram, though. Um, you can just type my name, Janae Bridges or Janae B. Mezzo, the letter B, Mezzo. And then my website, JanaeBridgesMezzo.com. Wow. Janae, once again, thank you so much for being with me Thank today. you, Trey. What an honor. So much pleasure. love. Thank you. Oh, <laughs> you guys, I'm telling you, I told you it was going to be a wonderful Wednesday, and it definitely has been. Of course, I get to wrap it all up right after this short break. Stay tuned. You're watching The Day with Trey. Pacific Northwest Ballet unveils Giselle, ballet's classic tale of romance, betrayal, and immortal love. 
The New York Times calls it a triumph, comparable to an epic film. This stunning production is touched by magic. Order tickets now at pnb.org. Prosperity in Black America. What will this require? Is Black business prospering? Are we reaching women and minority-owned businesses? How do we achieve earning parity for wealth for our families? Do our children really have access to education? Will our families have choices for our children? Prison pipelines, mass incarceration, tearing our families apart. A healthcare system not accessible to the masses. The disproportionate termination of black women from corporate America. When will we actually begin to address what's really at play? How do black people gain more power to help make these changes? This requires a lot of political will and courage. I'm that provocateur of change. I am Cindy Bright. Welcome to Heartbeat. Welcome back, everybody, to The Day with Trey. I'm your host, Trey Holiday, and I'm just so full right now. I want to thank my guest, Mark Handsome, of course, for sharing his inspiring journey and his dedication to his craft that now is uh, allowed him to be a signed recording artist for Vamp Life. It's such a huge deal, and I can't wait to hear more music coming out from Mark. Make sure you guys check in with him. He said Mark Handsome on all platforms. And of course, I got to thank Janae Bridges for being here. You guys can follow up with her, Janae Bridges. You guys can follow up with her website, JanaeBridgesMezzo.com. Um, be inspired, y'all. I'm so full right now. We we talked about this as Black Star Power in the building today. And it was really felt by me because I am telling you, for me, I sit here and I'm talking to folks and I just get so inspired every single day. So y'all know I want y'all to be inspired to do your part. See yourself as a part of the solution. If you have a talent, a skill that you just need to push through Continue to do that. Be dedicated to it so we can all benefit from you giving your blessing to the rest of the world as Mark and Janae are doing. Of course, for me, y'all, until tomorrow at 11 a.m. Converge Media produces culturally relevant content for black and urban audiences. Our coverage is raw, transparent, and objective, praised by community leaders, government officials, and residents. Support Converge Media today via Venmo, Cash App, or PayPal at Converge Media.